What's up? Welcome to Tide Sessions, a podcast about water sports. I'm Mike and this is Mel. We're both super passionate about the water and together we co-founded a kite surfing school called Tide Water Sports. On this podcast, we're going to be chatting to athletes, founders and other rad people who also love being in, on or under the water. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we did. In today's episode, Mike and I sit down to talk about our own backgrounds in water sports, how we met, how we founded our kiteboarding school Tide, and what we've got coming with our podcast. Okay, so Mike, I want to start by talking about your background in water sports. So my background in water sports is basically, I grew up in a seaside town in Margate. And lovely place, beautiful seaside town. And I've always been around the water, always spent time down the beach with my family, which has been lovely. We always had a beach hut. So we was always surfing waves with our body or little body boards, uh, prawning, fishing, all all stuff like that. Uh, I I was super into my extreme sport so skateboarding inline skating was always at the skate park and stuff like that jumping off things anything dangerous awesome um and because of that i was always watching extreme sports tv on sky which we loved as well as all all the other stuff but i think it was then when we watched um kite surfing for the first time on there i think that was the first time i saw it when was it was it it was a while ago was oh this must have been like 2001 because it was the very was it the very beginning of the sport so kite surfing probably began like i can't remember the actual date but it was like 98 okay yeah 97 98 around that i can't i can't remember the actual date but yeah it was it was around that but yeah we saw we saw like on on the tv these guys out in maui was it just robbie nash and pete cabrini yeah so you got Pete Cabrina, I think it was like Flash Austin, and I can't remember some of the other guys, but yeah. Yeah, they were going like huge on like big surfboards, mm. massive bars, <laughs> completely out of control, but it looked cool to me at that time. Probably was quite dangerous back then. Yeah, super dangerous. Uh, yeah, some of the kites were just like two-line kites. I remember some of the old school kites had like reels, so you'd like wind in and out your lines, <laughs> which is hilarious. But um, I'm glad it's progressed from there. It's progressed so much. Yeah. But, you know, we, we still tried. I think my first kite was a Cabrina Black Tip, which I bought from saving up my money from a paper round. And I went halves with my brother because my brother was learning it at the same time. Um, he didn't continue because he, um, I think he got sort I of... I think he um, thought you got too good. And he was like, oh, I can't compete with Mike anymore. <laughs> No, I think he just got frustrated with it and, um, you know, he had, he had other things that he was really into at the time. Um, but I was lucky enough that I had one of my friends, Joe, that I went to school with um, who was really into it as well. So I was really lucky with that because I didn't know anyone else that was into it. Um, I, I remember my uncle taught me up to a certain extent on like trainer kites and stuff like that. And then me and my friend pretty much just went out down the beach anytime it was windy and just tried and just practiced uh, either on mountain boards, buggies, uh, anything we could get our hands on to pull us around on a kite just to practice, uh, we we pretty much did. Uh, we learned pretty much by magazines and DVDs, just like watching stuff. Um, 
but it took us a while because you know it was a lot of trial and error mainly a lot of error i hope everyone listening knows what dvd is otherwise that will feel really old you know it's like a youtube video but on a cd <laughs> for all you youtube sort of error people um <laughs> I think we might even add like VHS tapes of it at some point. Um, yeah, probably. Recording things whenever there'd be competitions. Were there competitions already? Or was it just... I'm like, not sure if there it? were competitions at that point. Well, there, there definitely was actually. It was the, the first sort of king of the air competitions were in Maui at that point, I think. Mm. Um, and I think it went on to sort of the freestyle world championships, were like, which was the PKRA uh, back in the day. Um, okay. But yeah, I think that's, that's the only competitions that we had around in that time. That sounds intense. Yeah, but um, yeah, I did other other sort of sports around that time. I think I had a few years out of doing kite surfing because I was pretty into my rugby and other stuff like that. But always, always centered around sort of the water where where I lived because constantly down the beach. Um, but when when it was winter. We 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 didn't really like to go out in the cold that much, so we'd done mountain board and and, and stuff like that. But wait, were the wetsuits really bad? I feel like they've probably evolved loads as well. That or I was just being an absolute pussy. Yeah. Or there's the other factor as um I didn't really come from a wealthy background, so I I couldn't really afford to buy wetsuits all the time and uh, and new equipment. So um we we just sort of I had like one kite and I just used that all the time. Um, and it worked, you know. Yeah. Till I snapped my bar, and then I had to save up for uh, for a year to get another one. <laughs> <laughs> but still. So with my other like water sports, I guess I did try windsurfing for a very brief period. Um, yeah. But not not that long, you know. It it wasn't great. You didn't like it as much. No, I would. I just had that vision in my mind that I just wanted to kite and, you know, just wanted to progress with that. Mm. And it was always nice because my mum used to take us down to like demos, um, like in the Witterins and stuff like that. And that really opened up my mind to the whole water sports industry because you got to see all the new kit out there, like from North and Cabrina and, uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, really, really awesome to see as, as a kid that sort of stuff and I think that's what really sort of motivates kids as well to to go and see things like that you know as well as seeing competition and uh and, and all that yeah definitely well we're gonna go to the car armada aren't we is it soon we are in September and that's pretty much like a, yes. a really souped up version of, of what I did as a kid yeah um it was a small version of that, very, very small. But yeah, it's amazing to see how the festivals and, and uh, like the Kite Armada and, and the things that they've done these days, especially now with like the GKA and that competition that's on at the moment, uh, the expo and the amount of uh, sort of things that are going into it with that. But what about your background with uh, water sports, Mel? My background? Well, um, I didn't get to kiteboarding until quite late in life, but we'll get to that. Um, I think I started most of my like love for water sports started in Corsica because um, I was raised in the suburbs of Paris, but part of my family was from Corsica, is from Corsica. 
So we spend, and we've got a house there, um, so we spend all our summers there and I would just always be in the water and be free diving all the time. And I think um, my dad really early on taught us, my brother and I, how to equalise and how to go underwater safely and how just how awesome it was to just spend time underwater. And I remember it would just have the craziest tricks to get us to hold our breath for a long time. We'd have like weird games like basically hide and sick um, but underwater. So it would just be like, find me, and he would go underwater and swim away, and quite far, because he's really good as well, and would just try to find him underwater. It was just like loads of silly games like that, where we'd just spend so much time um, just, yeah, being underwater, which is my favourite place to be, basically. Um, but apart from that, I obviously did a bit of surfing. I'm saying obviously, because like any kid's, that were born around, you know, the early 90s in the noughties where we're all into skating and, and you know, skateboarding and reloving and trying to be cool. And I think I really wanted to be a surfer too, but I was not good at it at all. And I tried and I tried. And I well, was plus so there's not many it. waves in Paris or even Corsica, mind you. I know, but so I there's did... There's not much opportunity for yeah. that for you, to be fair. No, I know, but I did... I think I tried a couple of times I went to um, the west coast of France to do it, to try to learn to surf. But I was just really bad. I was so bad. I remember... So what, what was that? Was that like a little surf camp or something? Yeah, it was a surf camp. I think my first surf camp was actually when I was 14. I came to the UK. My parents sent me to Cornwall. And you could... It was like an English kind of summer camp. So yeah. to better your English because... Um, I was already quite good, so that was nice. But I wanted, as an add-on, you could be taught how to surf. And, um, yeah, I think that was the first time I actually started, you know, trying to surf. And it was quite funny because I remember just being so crap, but spending the whole time, like, in, in a swimsuit instead of a wetsuit to try to be, like, a bit badass and be like, ah, I don't mind the cold. I can be in the water and, you know, but, um, but then I wasn't good at all. I was not a good surf. I mean, I, I couldn't surf really. Um, and then, yeah, I tried another few times and still failed a lot. Um, and then until quite recently as well, but we'll talk about that. And yeah, windsurfing obviously tried a little bit. Um, I feel like we've all tried windsurfing. If you like water sports, there's something you've tried like in your life. Um, but never really, I don't know, I liked it and I could do it, but I wasn't that fast about it. And what else have I done? Did you ever do anything behind boats or anything like skiing or Yeah, or water, water skiing. skiing. But I think I have, um, but I'm really weird and you know that. Um, I get quite scared, like I love, love, love sharks. I think they're amazing creatures and, you know, we'll have a guest actually soon on the podcast that is going to talk about this and, um... They're amazing, but I am terrified. And I think I know a lot about them and I've learned so much about them that I, I tend to think about them a lot when I'm in the water. And I, when I was younger in Corsica, they would take me to water ski in the middle of 
the sea <laughs> where it was like dark blue underneath and I was just freaking out. And and and, know, and Mel gets freaked out by sharks in tidal pools. Um, you know, it's so a real thing. In, in the middle of the sea? Yeah, I, I get that, I guess. Not all the time. It was just this one time. I just get too much in my head and then <laughs> I forget. It's You know, it could just be... I just have to think, okay, this shark can't just be at the bottom of the pool waiting for me to come in the pool then to attack just me you know it, i get out of it thinking that's a bit silly um but anyway but yeah so yeah water skiing i did and i liked it but i always thought because I, I could ski and i i skied a lot when i was younger but i always felt that it was so tricky because your legs would go if they went in like different directions you would just end up like i don't know falling apart and um um, so yeah, that was about it. And I guess the other thing I did a lot of in Corsica was scuba diving, um, which I loved as well, but I do not love it as much as free diving. I find it a bit too, um, it's just a lot of stuff, isn't it? You just have so much stuff to carry with you. It's quite cumbersome. Yeah, exactly. That word. Um, but I do love it and I, I have done my open water in India which I know is not the best place you'd think of when you think about scuba diving, but it was a lovely place to do it. And I met um, a really cool crew there. Um, so yeah, that was about it. But then what you all want to know is how on earth I got into kiteboarding, right? That's that's what we want to know. So well, I guess it begins with me. Well, wait, wait, no, 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 I wouldn't, no. Oh, well, yeah, maybe, but actually... I thought you were going to say begins with you, but you tricked me there. Well, I'm a trick, tricky person. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it begins with me finally becoming an instructor after so many years of kiting. Um, and then I start teaching. And evidently, I, I meet Mel in the water somewhere. And I, you know... Oh, we didn't meet in the water. I was, no, I was but, teaching okay. her. No, but okay. I will tell. I will tell the story my way because it's not really. It's not really inspiring the way you're telling it. But what happened is that I was living in London for a few years, and then I decided to move to the seaside. Um, I ended up in Margate because I found a really cool flat there. So it wasn't really like I really wanted to go to Margate. I just wanted to be by the sea, and found a really cool flat. So I was like, this is it, and. What's important to to talk about is that my brother, Matt, had been kitesurfing for years and wanting me to get into it, like, all the time. He was always talking about it, always putting kitesurfing videos at Christmas for everybody to see. And nobody cared because nobody, well, what, what, you know. What video was he putting on at Christmas, Mel? Well, I think it was this film called Chapter One, which is really good. But a lot of people might there's, not know. There's a few chapter one haters out there. Well, I know, but all our listeners <laughs> won't necessarily know everything about kiteboarding. Well, if, you, if you've so not seen it, go and have a look. It's, if um, you're into it's, kiteboarding, it's, it's, yeah. Well, even if you're not into kiteboarding, just to have like an overview on, on, yeah, on that it's film. It's really good. It was, it's really beautiful. I think it was one of the first sort of major productions uh, for, for kite surfing. So yeah, was, so he was that, really into that, it. was quite good, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so what happened is it was always... Um, telling me to have a go, that I'd love it. And I was like, ah, I'm doing my own thing. I've got other things to do, or blah, blah, blah. But when I moved to Margate, I didn't really have 
an excuse anymore because I was by the sea as well and it was so easy. And um, yeah, so I mean, and you saw me on a beach, yes, teaching that's, free taster that's the sessions for little kiddies. Yeah, and I thought you were like oh. eighteen because you looked so young, and you looked I like Enzo Elgort. And oh, I was like, "Who is this gorgeous? With this gorgeous human being on the beach?" But that's not why I went to that school. Okay. I just thought, ah, that school looks nice. You know, I will try it with them. She's lying. It was me. Yeah, of course. Um, but so yeah, she, and that's so how... she followed me around for a bit, and then, <laughs> and then she she wanted a lesson from me, so she she just got taught. You know, I showed her the ways, and then within yeah. a few lessons, that's it. You got your own kit, and then yours out. Yeah, cruising around. Yeah, it was awesome. definitely like I feel like learning kiteboarding was definitely harder than I thought it was gonna be. I feel like people, we like we make it look easy, like really easy. Not when we're jumping around and stuff, but or when you're jumping around. Because when I'm jumping around, I don't make it look easy. I just make it look silly. But what I mean is, it looks so smooth and seamless, you know, when we're just like cruising around. But when you're learning, there's so much to take into consideration with like the kite and the board and your position and everything. Um, so I remember like being like, whoa, I've got my brother, I've got Mike now, I gotta get this right, you know, I gotta I gotta be good at it, otherwise what you know, he's gonna probably I mean, I'm thinking of my brother, he could have just, you know, said you're not my sister anymore because you're crap at this mattered to him that I was going to be all right. But you picked it up very quickly, so you're fine. Yeah, I guess. It was just because I was out there a lot. You did. I, I think you were pretty... Like, most times I was out teaching, you was out there. I think was it from, like, six hours, I think, I remember you going out there for. I, I was on, like, a four-hour lesson and a three-hour lesson, and you, you were just out there all day just... Practicing. Yeah, I was. I was. You could go one way, and then you then you'd body drag the other way, and then go yeah. back out the other way, and then body drag in the other way. <laughs> anyway, until you learnt to go the other way. Yeah, but what happened after that? Well, soon after we went to South Africa. Yeah. So after that summer was finished in November, we headed to South Africa because I got a job with Cabrina Kiteboarding in Big Bay, which is a a shop and a school there, and uh, yeah, we it's just close to Cape Town. It's yeah, in in it, by yeah, Cape Town in South Cape Africa. Town, yeah. yeah, lovely place. Um, and yeah, me and Mel got an apartment out there and and lived there for six months, and it was yeah, it was amazing. I yeah. think we'd both had wanted to go for a long time. Like it's it was such a oh, it's a dream it location. A yeah. It's so nice. Yeah. And uh, and it was there that we learned to surf. Yeah, finally. finally. Hey, mm. yeah. It's great, you know, perfect location for someone that's slightly scared of sharks. You know, it's it's where you'd want to go to to learn how to surf, you know. But after a, like a couple of sessions of just sitting in the water on your board, waiting for a wave, you, you just forget about it. No, I think I never forgot about it, but... Most of the time when we were surfing, the water was really clear and yeah. there was always a lot of people around 
And I always thought, you know, why, why, why would a shark just come at me? Look, that person looks a bit more yummy. So, you know, you just trick your brain. Although... And eventually you stop thinking about it because you're focused on the waves, which are, like, huge and as dangerous as anything else. So... So there was that one day, do you remember? Oh, my that gosh. Was, um, no, we we was out there and it was, like, misty. It was literally, we couldn't see anything. We um, couldn't see where the shore was. We, we were just stupid enough to paddle out there and... I don't think you you couldn't even see the shoreline. The only way you knew yeah. where the shore was it was because you got the waves rolling in there. Yeah. And um. I didn't last long. Yeah, we went in soon after. <laughs> you start freaking out, and you're like, I can't see anywhere. I don't even yeah. know where the shore is. Let's just. It go wasn't. Around. I don't know where we went. Not a great out. idea. It was at the beginning as well. Not the safest of things to do. Yes, to be please fair. don't try it at home. Yeah, don't go mm-hmm. out when it's misty and foggy, and you can't see the shore. No. Um. But yeah, South Africa was amazing because obviously I progressed in kiteboarding really fast because we were always out there. You were teaching, so you progressed your teaching a lot. You got a really good tan, so that's that's My hair went blonde. Yeah, very blonde. Wow. The sun is so strong there. It's insane. It's like, yeah. But I think for kiteboarding and surfing and all the water sports we loved, it was such an amazing location to do all of these you know, things. Cause it it was. was. And then I got an injury as well. I like, really twisted my ankle at one point, going up a wave. I was like, oh, didn't you it. pop your eardrum as well? Yeah, that was at the end of the trip there. It was still a big deal. I remember you bleeding out from your ear and I was like, what's happening? Yeah, so I fell off the surfboard. I think the board hit me in the ear and just yeah. like straight away burst my eardrum and then I, all I could hear was just like a constant ringing. Yeah, you're always hurting blood, yourself. Blood coming from my ear. And that, that was pretty much, I think it was like, two weeks before we had to leave yeah. so yeah. but I was still gutted that I couldn't go back in the water after that the doctor was like no don't you can't go in there you're gonna get an infection yeah it was terrible but, um I was just trying to think about how it helped us like understand where we wanted to go as well when we came back because we always knew we wanted to come back after six months and by the end of the trip we were really keen to come back as like I feel like we really missed a lot of things that the UK has to offer compared to South Africa because South Africa is amazing but there's obviously a lot of issues I mean there's loads of issues in the UK as well but I think we we wanted to come back and um when we did we got really lucky to find a house um and not long after that the pandemic hit right was it a year later yeah I think we had like um I think we had the summer you taught for a we, season. We, we taught the season with and the school. summer was yeah. there. And then as, as soon as, yeah, as soon as we went into like the, the winter sort of months, I think the pandemic hit around then. Yeah. Um, then, every, everyone knows how that went. Yeah. Big, big old we lockdown. Need, we don't need to talk about it and reminisce on this terrible time. Um, every, everyone was doing yoga. We're doing yoga. <laughs> it was really nice. It was. It was lovely. You need to stretch this huge long body of yours, you know. Especially with water sports. That's something I really want to do. I've always told you with the school, which we're going to talk about in a second, that I would love to be able to offer some kind of stretching slash yoga thing because I feel like it... What, pre-lesson? It really, yeah, pre or post. I don't know. I do feel like when we kite or when we surf, all these water sports that we love doing... um. You need a stretch. You need a stretch before and after. It would avoid a lot of injuries. And I know a lot of people stretch before surfing. 
But in kiting, I don't see a lot of people stretching and it always kind of, I don't know. I, I find it strange. So I would like for it to be a thing, you know. Or maybe I can record a stretching video of you <laughs> and then I can play it to all of my students. No, please. Don't do that. Well, so as soon as COVID hit, we decided to start a kite surfing school. Yeah. Super good timing. Like. Well, what else are you going to do? You're just sitting in lockdown. I mean, I was still Nothing working. Nothing else to do. But... Mel, Mel was working. Mel, Mel's an illustrator, by the way, and she's a designer, a really good one. So Mel, Mel was straight on there with the website. She she built all of that and done a really good job of that. And, and I basically done everything else, really. Yeah. I think we both wanted to do something else with kite. Like you've you always wanted to have your own kiteboarding school, like water yeah, sports sure. school, uh, because that's the thing. We eventually don't want it to just be kiteboarding. That's why it's called tide water sports, because um, we're both so passionate about all kinds of water sports. But um, yeah, so you'd always wanted to do it, and I was really keen to be, you know, the CFO and the investor. And, and help you with that and, and be a founder as well. And I think for me, as a designer, it was really nice getting to do like the visual identity for Tide and imagine how the brand was going to work and, you know, do it from scratch and think about all the aspects of, of what Tide was going to be, which is, it was just really exciting. It was, it was really cool. It do. was. And it really worked out well, actually, with COVID. COVID sort of helped in a way because no one was able to travel. So I, I felt like everyone wanted to do staycations. So yeah. I feel like we got loads of business for that because everyone was coming from London and making the most of, you know, the, the places that you lived in. And everyone that lived in a seaside town was like, well, oh, I live by the sea. Let's try something new. Let's try something yeah. new. Let's make the use of the water. And yeah, I think there was a really good resurgence of water sports in general, not just For kite sure. surfing, but um, surfing, you know, surfing and, and or, yeah, you know, kayaking or whatever yeah. you want to do on the water, like supping really kicked supping off at that time. Sure, yeah. yeah. Really I think supping off. is really we didn't really talk about our experience with supping, but obviously we we like doing it as well. But I think we're both kind of um, adrenaline junkies, so we I personally get a bit bored on a sub. Um, I need more speed. Oh, if the but... sub could fly, then I'd be all over it. Yeah, I mean, you like it in waves as well, right? Yeah, in, in waves, waves it's, it's quite okay. fun. Yeah, but I'd I'd definitely prefer just Wait, so to be on a surfboard. If the sub could fly, what what would that be? Like a small plane? What do you mean, <laughs> like a magic carpet? I'm trying to know, understand that, well, that's how exciting. One thing I like like about kite surfing is you know. Oh, you mean it in that way? It's yeah. just that a sub is a board. So I was very confused for half a second. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think supping is so accessible for people, for everybody. Because kiteboarding, the thing is, I've got a lot of friends that are like, oh, that's cool. But, you know, I could, especially girlfriends that feel like it's not for women or it's harder for women or, you know, I mean, there aren't a lot of women doing it, but I don't think it's because it's harder. But it's really harder. not. Hmm? It's really not that hard. No, it's not. Lot, and it's got nothing to do with the strength. common misconception that everyone has 
is oh you must be really strong to do that oh your yeah. your arm strength must be and I always say yes be... I am so strong <laughs> you don't even but know really, how strong you don't, you I don't am. need to be that strong yeah, I mean yeah. you need to be generally fit to learn it because you you're going to be doing a fair amount of walking around and uh, yeah and learning but once once you're actually good to ride you, you're hooked in with a harness and the power comes through your body and yeah it's and not your arms it's yeah yeah so yeah that's the common misconception but I, it, so I yeah but I do think it's Skyboarding is a sport that we need to, um, yeah, I, d- oh, I don't know what I wanted to say as well. It's more like it needs to be um, made easier for people to try it. But the problem as well that we have is obviously you need so much kit when you're kite surfing, and it's a bit more expensive than just buying a sup or a kayak and getting out there. Like there's a few barriers to starting kiteboarding that are quite like hard to tackle in a way. Um, this, well, the easiest you know, way to start it is come to a school like Tidewater Sports, <laughs> and then you're there. Yeah, you can do tasters. We've got taster sessions. But I think it's more, obviously, schools, it's something I definitely want to do with Tide, is um, find ways to be more um, inclusive and making everybody feel welcome. and making Because everybody... everyone is welcome. Yeah, of course. But it's it's showing people that they are and they can do it no matter what, you know, um, how strong or not they think they are or if they think it's not for them or I don't know. Like it's just, I think it's everybody's job in the sport to make it feel a bit more inclusive and diverse. Because even as a woman when I started, the thing is I've always done a lot of sports that are typically masculine because I used to skydive a lot when I was younger and it was the same deal. I was... I mean, not very often the only girl, and I was young, so young girl, um, in a room of like 40 guys skydiving. And, and I love the energy, like I'm used to it. I'm used to like that masculine energy. But the problem is a lot of women might want to try these sports and, and don't feel comfortable doing it if they feel like it's just going to be a guy's thing. Because guys, you know, you know how guys are in groups. So um, it's the same with kiteboarding, I think. We need to. Well, that's make good it now that you've got some really nice. Um, I don't know if they're organisations, but groups that are sort of pushing that for like female riders and, and, yeah. and other stuff like that. Well, it's getting better, but um, yeah, we need to keep pushing for that so that women know they can do it and they will love it. And yeah, it can be part of their identity as well. It's not 100%. just a guy's thing. So, with, with Tide Water Sports, we've now actually progressed quite a lot since we started. We've actually. We're in our third season now, I think, and mm-hmm. you know we've progressed loads. We've now got five instructors, yep. uh, and and we actually now have an online shop, so you can buy water sports stuff from us. I think we always wanted to do that because when we started, we always talked about how students come to us and say, "Oh, what's the best this and that, and what kite should I get, and can you help me with this?" and I think now we can actually be like, yeah, we've got all of this and, you know, you don't need to worry. We can help you with all of it and advise you on the best products. And so that, that's been really nice and rewarding to have the store as well. What's your favourite water sports product or thing that you've owned? What, in on our store or in general? Just in general. I'm not going to plug something the, the, from a store. Not from the store, <laughs> okay. just like... The fa- um, your favorite item that you have used that has made your life or your experience awesome. 
In kiteboarding or in general? Just in general water sports. Um, well, you know, I was going to be really cheesy. and No, it needs to be a product, so it can't be like... It can't thing. be my my breath to go underwater. No, okay. you cannot. Your um, breath is not something you can buy. Oh, this is hard. I think my longboard... I mean, I've got a love-hate relationship oh, with my longboard. Nice. So I got it commissioned... And I, what is it, nine feet? How much? I can't remember. It's nine six. Nine, it's six. a it's nine huge. six big longboard. So it's a bit of a long. What happened is I really wanted to commission this amazing um, maker in Cornwall. And um, I, I, like, I sent him like colors. And I, you know, it was really nice making him work on it and creating it from scratch for me. Like, there's my name on it. It's really cool. But what I didn't think about before having it commissioned when we went to get it is how heavy that thing is. It's like a log. It's a log that can it barely so fit under my arm. It was so heavy it broke the strap on the board bag <laughs> You that. did. And and it's, I mean, it's amazing on the water. It like, literally, you can surf oh, anything. But I hate it. Like, the amount of times I've had to... I've, I've scratched it everywhere because it's so heavy, it falls forward, backwards. It's just... But I would say it just has a lot of meaning because, yeah, I got it commissioned and, um, yeah, I like, I, I just really like it. Yeah, I just wish I didn't have to carry it. And, you know, I could just launch it. From oh, I'll, the I'll carry it for you. It's fine. Yeah, you say that, but then you steal it and then I don't get to surf. Well, well we surf together. I use my 7.6, you use your 9.6, won't I? Yeah. We'll try that. <laughs> So, Mike, what I really wanted to know is, because we haven't really talked about this that much, and it feels like we've tried all water sports under the sun, but is there something you haven't tried yet and really want to? Yes. So I've I've got into foiling with the kite, and I really enjoy that. Um, but I really want to sort of go into more avenues with the foiling, I guess. Uh, one one of them is winging. I definitely want to try uh, foiling with How a wing. How would you describe winging to people that have not heard of it? Or okay. Don't really know so it? you have a hydrofoil, which is the thing that levitates you out of the water, which is like a wing that sort of glides underwater, which lifts you out, which is attached to a mast, and then you stand on the board, which is attached to that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Bit of a long-winded explanation for it. <laughs> but Me I think too. it gets suggested. Um and then you stand on it, and then you you basically hold what's called a wing in your hands. So with both hands, and then you basically hold it out in front of you, like like a sail um, or a kite, but that you're ha- holding. It's onto almost it. like a mix between kiteboarding and windsurfing, isn't it? Like it's a weird. Yeah, it's kind like of a mix. sailing, windsurfing, yeah, like foiling, a... kiting yeah. sort of thing. Uh, but I think it's really gained popularity recently, especially with a lot of the windsurfers around here. So there's there's like a windsurfing club at Minnis Bay in the UK where where we're from, and most of the windsurfers there have, you know, gone over to winging and they're they're really enjoying it. And you can see how more like accessible it is for them because they haven't got all that setting up time of you know. Yeah. Rigging the mast, sort of doing all their adjustments and everything like that. They can just pump up their wing, get their foil board, get down onto the beach, and just just have a good time straight away. Um. So for for that, it's it does look really good. Uh. For me, the the biggest draw for it is being able to get out past waves on your foil, 
and the wing and and then just let go of it really or just hold on to it with one hand and just sort of be free to sort of ride the waves all the way in and as soon as you get in again power the wing up get out to more that's the main draw for me that would be really cool it would be yeah Yeah. and then the other thing with foiling that i really want to do or try at least i don't know if i'd be successful because i'm crap at surfing (laughs) is um is you know prone surfing on the foil you know just uh, foil, foil surfing, so being able to paddle, oh, yeah. paddle on a board with a foil underneath me, be able to pop up. Yeah, right, when we were in South wave. Africa, do you remember a few guys started, tr- like, tried it? Oh, and they were epic surfers. And they surfers. were hurting themselves. They, they were yes. very, very good surfers, and... They were struggling. They always came out of the water with cuts and bruises. Yeah. But the thing is, that I don't think those guys had ever been up on a foil in any other respect. And I remember when I was learning foiling is when you first get up on the foil, it's a bit of an alien feeling. You don't really know how to react to it. It's only after a, amount, uh, a certain amount of goes that you start getting a bit of muscle memory on how to deal with the foil uh, rising and falling, either kicking you out or yeah. going straight into the water. So I think if they had a bit of prior knowledge... I feel like one of them had and he was getting on better. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? He he, he, he was getting up every now and then. It was, Um, yeah, okay, yeah. I thought he was doing well. But then again, I'm not very good at surfing and I've not tried foiling because I guess um, that's what I'd like to do. The next thing I really want to try is foiling because I did, you, you had me try a couple of times but the wind was really light and I felt like I needed a little bit more wind to get me going but I am really jealous to hear, you know, whenever you and my brother Matt go out foiling and it's always, because it needs, it's like in low, like, you know, lighter wind, it's always like nice and sunny and quite flat. And you can go out in conditions that are really dreamy and really enjoy yourself and still have that speed and that kind of floaty sense. I don't know. It is the way you've talked that. about it makes me really want to, you know, try it and be good at it. But again... You have told me it's not easy, and I've seen you learn. Mel, so. Mel actually tried it in South Africa when we was behind a boat, and uh, it was, was quite funny to fill. watch. It was very fun, uh, and and another guy that was with was trying it as well for the first time, and it was it was hilarious to watch both of them just like fall off. Constantly. I didn't, yeah, and I like when you did it because what I'd do is hold the cord and I'd pull it in a little bit, <laughs> and then I'd release it, and you'd just fall off. It was very satisfying. <laughs> But it was, you know, to Thank get you, you better. That. It was like a little trick, you and know? And I didn't even realise you were doing it at that no, point. No, but that's what's funny. That's the fun part. You were like, what, what do I keep falling? <laughs> oh, I don't get it. Thought I had this. And I was like, what's happening? I don't I don't know. But no, the, look, it's fine. Yeah, um, it was really fun. Um, actually, that's where I did wakeboarding as well, in South Africa, which I really loved. And yeah, I that think was your first I time, I definitely right? want to... So I want to do foiling, for sure. And... I want to do more wakeboarding and we can, like, what's cool is we're going to have a new wakeboarding place, I guess. That's called White Mills. That's going to be near Sandwich, where we are. Because I don't know if we really said, I mean, we've mentioned a few times, but we're located in the southeast of England. So Margate, which is like an hour and a half from London. And it's a really cool location because we have the whole coast. So when it's windy, depending on the wind direction, we can kind of almost... You know, we can kite in a lot of wind directions. Not all of them, because it can get a bit gusty. I think but, there's only um, one that doesn't work very well, which is a west-south-west. Yeah, when it comes over the land. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, so White Mills, 
was super excited um, because I personally want to do loads more wakeboarding. Like I love trying it in South Africa. I mean, when we tried it, it was it was the best. Like I've got the best memory from it because we arrived at like it was in Langaban, which is like a really cool kind of lagoon in um, near Cape Town. I mean, it's like an hour so from two, Cape Town. Two hours two up hours? the west coast of South Africa yeah, from okay, Cape it's a Town. Bit but yeah, we got there because um, your boss at the time, the school, the school's owner, had invited us to stay in a, a houseboat, and we got there at sunset, and we're like, oh yeah, let's go, let's let's have a drink, and then oh yeah, yeah, let's go wakeboard, and I remember trying it half like tipsy, and loving it. It was it was sunset. I wasn't thinking about sharks. That's probably because I was tipsy, and. Um, and I think being, I'm not recommending it, but for me, being slightly tipsy made me be less in my head and less, like, because I tend to overthink a lot, especially in the sports. Like, I'm always like, oh, should I do this and that? Like, I, I'm in my head a lot. And being tipsy made me just be in my body and just follow the flow. And I remember I was, like, doing really cool things. Like, I was doing really well for the first time. Yeah, it was, like, switching into toe yeah. side, edging out quite nice. So it was so fun. I think, I think it helped you as well, having, like, a previous sort of board control or experience yeah on for sure kiteboarding he was able to sort of get yeah. up straight away and but i've never been it. like that i guess yeah but still i feel like and, it was... and it's the other, it works the other way around actually like if you if you wakeboard before yeah and you can use the board of res- resistance and actually get up and going you'll find it so much easier to get up and going as, as a the, kite surfer with your students right you feel like people that do really well that have never kiteboard before but if they've like wakeboard obviously done windsurfing or all these things it really helps them yeah like a wind sport or a board sport it doesn't or matter sailing. what, what yeah. it is yeah we haven't talked about sailing but we i'm personally not have you ever done any sailing i think you know I d- i'm i'm just making myself look bad in saying that i've never really been into wind sports when i was a kid because i remember my brother being a lot like into sailing big time and i was like no i would just be underwater like i was did more, he do some sailing yeah yeah, Matt has done. I mean, um, I don't know. It, it, you can ask him. Um, but I remember him having done more sailing than I ever done, for sure. And, so I, yeah, I haven't I much. Know. And like my dad was in the navy, and he 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 sailed, and my granddad had a boat, but I, I never really sailed with those. But my only sailing experience is like being on a yacht with my uncle, like on four deck, where you, where you sort of have to hoist the sails up and down. Yeah. And then I. I got shown how to sail by my mum in Jamaica on a hobby cat. And mm-hmm. then we, and then that was it. Me and my brother was just out flying around on a hobby cat for a while. And it's really fun. I mean, it's, you know, you can pick up some good speed and, and, and sort of enjoy your surroundings quite well. Yeah. And it's definitely something that I do want to get into. And I definitely want to join one of the local sailing clubs uh, to re- progress in that. It would be nice. I yeah. think I've always dreamt of, Having a nice sailboat and going around the world like that, but then I'd also be you know, quite scared because of anchoring storms up and stuff. at some good surf break, paddling into the surf. Or like that book you back. read was that Liz, um, what's her name? You read it, A Surfer's Journey. Wait, sorry, I might not be saying the same, the right thing. We'll put it in the description. Yes, yes, yeah. Let's just do oh, that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Her we'll name is Liz. Link. Yeah, she's called Liz. She was on a oh, it's called Swell. Is it? Yeah, because um, the boat that she swell. was on was called Swell. 
Yeah, yes. not Swell. Because she was chasing Swell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. Very book, good, book, yeah. yeah. Definitely. If you like water sports, if you like surfing and exploration and sailing and stuff like that, it's definitely a good read. Um. So, yeah, that made me think of this. Um. But, yeah, so I think... I wanted us to just talk a little bit about the podcast and why we're basically doing this. Um, I think for me, it starts with my obsession, my own obsessions for podcasts um, and how much I love listening to them and I always learn a lot from them and I find them really inspiring. So obviously it's a lot of pressure because I want us to do a really good job and also be quite inspiring, but do not worry this isn't going to be just us talking all the time because that wouldn't be that interesting eventually. But Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, you should just do it on your own and, and people will love hearing your no, stories. that would be of... terrible. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think what we're excited about is we've got a really great lineup of really inspiring people that we're going to be having conversations with um, and it's not just going to be kiteboarding, it's going to be all the water sports under the sun. So it's going to be wakeboarders and surfers and freedivers and scuba divers and, and more. Like all the water sports you can find. We haven't got anyone doing kayaking, but I'm sure we could... I mean, it would be amazing to have someone on that talks about like... What is it? Is it whitewater rafting and stuff like that? That sounds insane as well. Yeah. So we could basically... The idea for this podcast is... Or if there's like a kite snorkeler out there, you know. A kite snorkeler. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, it's nice. an awesome sport. Mm-hmm. You basically body drag with a snorkel. If if there's any of you guys out there that want to talk about your very niche sport, then... You know, very niche just, water sports. Just get or in like touch and uh, we'll, snorkeling we'll behind a sup or in front of, or on a sup. Wait, I can't remember now. We've seen these photos. <laughs> but... um. Basically, we're very excited about the podcast um, and we've got an amazing lineup of people from, you know, not just kiteboarding backgrounds, but any, you know, all water sports under the sun. We're really excited to be chatting to people that are doing really different things, but all linked to the water. Um, these conversations, we hope, are going to be quite inspiring and we know we're going to learn a lot from them and we're hoping you will too. And yeah, hopefully it'll also be fun and interesting and entertaining if we can make it that way. Thanks for listening. We're super excited for everything that's going to come and hope to see you for the next one. Ciao Bye. for now.